1: Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving holiday. Thanks for being with us today on The Great America Show. As the smoke begins to clear from the midterm election battlefield, it's obvious that the Republican leadership got outmaneuvered in a number of states, among them, of course, Arizona, in which we watched the popular Republican gubernatorial candidate beaten by the unpopular and all but invisible Democrat candidate who just also happens to be the Secretary of State and who oversaw the entire election in Arizona while running for the state's top office. Now, this could just be me, but if I'm going to run for office, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't want to run against a candidate who also is in charge of counting the votes. I mean, folks, just how smart is the Republican leadership? Even the one bright spot in this midterm election was the fact that the Republicans regained the majority in the House of Representatives, but have, as things stand now, only a seven-seat majority. Usually, the party not in the White House wins, on average, 24 seats. So they won fewer than a third that number of seats that they should have, historically. I mean, just exactly what have the Marxist Dems done right? How did they do so well? We'll be taking that up here on The Great America Show for weeks to come. And today, our guest is a great American, former top Justice Department official, Jeffrey Clark, on the Marxist-dim corruption and political persecution of Donald Trump on top of everything else. So back to the Republican leadership, particularly in the House of Representatives. The Republicans agreeing to be led by a rhino who has not a single conservative MAGA, American First, credential to his name, aside from the endorsement of Paul the Rhino Ryan. So there is that lingering concern that Republican leaders are either too dumb or too lazy to have much of a chance against a political party that lies, cheats, and steals with abandon. For crying out loud, Carrie Lake, the GOP candidate for governor in Arizona, campaigned nonstop. She was a hard-working, energetic candidate. Her opponent, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, she really didn't campaign at all. She wouldn't debate. And guess what? She won. Despite not campaigning, not debating, it's almost like she sensed how the vote count would go. Like she knew she had this thing. I'm sure that sixth sense had nothing to do with the fact that she was in charge of counting the votes. So let's turn now to our guest today, Jeffrey Clark of the Center for Renewing America. And I do believe we can all agree, Jeffrey, we need some considerable renewal. Jeffrey is a great American, former top Justice Department official. And Jeffrey, great to have you back with us on the show. This special counsel, it's all about raw, in-your-face partisan politics, isn't it? So now we go to two impeachments of President Trump, now two special counsels years of FBI investigation, and the only lawbreakers that have been discovered in all of this in more than six years of persecution have all been FBI agents and Department of Justice officials and, of course, the intelligence agencies' leaders. Your thoughts?
0: Well, you know, uh, Lou, I, I think that anything involving this whole concept of a special counsel, special prosecutor, or before that, the independent council that Congress established by uh, by statute. I, I think these things are all anathemas to the Constitution. I think that that the uh, uh, framers envisioned having, uh, you know, the president and then you know whoever was going to be the head of what ultimately got named the Justice Department. That they were the, the law enforcers. And there needs to be a you know a chain uh, an accountable chain that the people can point to and and this whole idea of which is a post watergate uh you know reform quote unquote that you can create like a fourth branch of government to enforce the laws i think that's highly problematical and I, i i don't i think you know the the appointment here in these circumstances just you know reinforces that same historical theme for the whole time that we've had the independent counsel statute and now the special counsel regulations at the Justice Department.
1: Well, you know, let's agree that it's unconstitutional. I've got no problem with that. I I, I want to blow it up if it's constitutional. It's ignorant. It's stupid. It's a really bad idea, especially when you've got a an administration that is corrupt from top to bottom. Uh, This is there's a toxic uh, corruption throughout the Biden administration and the executive branch, but certainly the Department of Justice, the FBI, the intelligence community, uh, and it goes on, Uh, putting any tool of government, any, any branch of government under the control of a corrupt puppet president is a really bad idea. I think we can all agree on that, right?
0: Well, look, you know, I've spoken uh, many times, done media appearances, and and my organization, the Center for Renewing America, has been very forceful about the fact that, you know, we need uh, reform of the Justice Department, we need reform of the FBI and the intelligence community. I mean, it really looks. I mean, how many different uh, uh, investigations and attacks, whether they're federal, state, or local. Um, and and it you know it does embrace all three right we have New York State we have uh, local prosecutors in New York City and in uh, in Georgia and we have you know federal ones obviously how many different things can they gin up against former President Trump it it just looks like it's long past the the stage where it looks like they're out to get one particular individual however they can and so what they go through is a kind of revolving door of legal theories du jour. And if you watch, you know, what I've taken to calling kind of the, you know, pink slime on uh, MSNBC and on YouTube and the like, I mean, they just, whatever the latest, uh, you know, thing is, they're always salivating about like, this for sure is gonna be the thing that gets Trump and brings down Trump. And they're just, they have no self-critical ability. They don't look at what it is that they're saying. It's just, they're, they're selling themselves to an audience that somehow has irrationally, you know, in terms of Trump derangement syndrome, convinced themselves that, that Trump is some kind of antichrist that, you know, the ends justify the means on. And it's, it's really a perversion of the American system, Lou.
1: Yeah, it, it is. A, it's, my, it's a mass psychosis. But it's also facilitated by the legal profession. And no offense, Jeff, but uh, the audience for this crap, is not just the, uh, you know, the opposite side that uh, the Republican conservative independents in this country uh, know full well who Trump is and what he represents and the fact that he is not uh, the, uh, you know, the public servant from hell. He is in point of fact, uh, an extraordinary president. It is the left that is without question uh, evil uh, it, it's an aggregation of evildoers. But the legal profession right now has not come forward with a solution. Uh, and they seem to be the problem. They really do. Uh, because here is a guy that has been persecuted for, we're now in the seventh year, the persecution, the political persecution uh, of Donald J. Trump. There hasn't been one Instance of wrongdoing proved over the course of that entire time. And we're now talking about a second special counsel investigation, three years of FBI investigation separately, almost two years of the first special counsel, the Mueller special counsel. This is ignorance at a high level uh, being practiced uh, with uh, just abandoned by the Marxist left in this country. Why is it the ABA, the, the, the legal profession itself, the judiciary, for crying out loud, the Supreme Court, is not saying this will end? Why is, it, is that so difficult for the legal profession, for the judiciary, and, and the head of the judiciary, John Roberts, to say just exactly that?
0: We had talked, Lou, uh, I think on our last conversation about the the ABA. I mean, I think the ABA has been uh, captured essentially by the left for quite some time. You know, about a century ago, it was thought to be a uh, conservative-leaning entity. Um, You know, I think it was just more, you know, traditionalist and neutral, but by, you know, today's standards – that's you know viewed as as uh, conservative now. Right. You know the ABA is woke. You can look at what its uh, you know governing body, like the equivalent of a kind of House of Representatives of the of the ABA, do and the kinds of resolutions that they debate and and adopt. Uh, that that's true. So I don't think there's any help to be uh, watched for from from that quarter. Um, in terms of the judiciary, I, I think. There's some nervousness created by the fact that that President Trump obviously was very effective in terms of, uh, you know, seizing uh, the the powers that he had to kind of lean into what sorts of uh, people were nominated and confirmed to the to the uh, Supreme Court. So he got uh, three justices and, you know, President Trump is not a lawyer. Um, And, you know, he thinks of things, I think, in functional terms. And so when he was hit with a whole bunch of nationwide injunctions by judges who I think were out of control and who were, you know, forum shopped for by lots of uh, leftist special interest groups, uh, you know, he responded by, you know, saying things like, you know, "These, these uh, these are Obama or Clinton judges. And that, you know, got, Chief Justice Roberts dander up that, you know, there aren't really supposed to be judges of of particular stripes. Um, You know, I think. Well, is John Roberts
1: really that big a fool, Jeff? I mean, seriously, is he really that big a fool or does he just think the American people are fools? Do you I mean, does he really think that the American people aren't aware that conservative judges and liberal judges exist, activist judges and a handful, a smattering Of constitutionalists, originalists, uh, jurists exist. I I mean, if he's really that naive, or he thinks that the American people are that naive, he really does need uh, an intervention, don't you think? Well, I look, Lou. I think he
0: is a uh, brilliant lawyer, and and no one could take that away from him. And I think, you know, I've never had a personal conversation with him uh, ever, but you know, I can imagine that. That uh, maybe if you know you were having a personal conversation with him, if you're a close friend or something, maybe he might uh, acknowledge some of the the points that you made. But look, he's the head of the Article Three branch of government, and you know it is important that there should be you know judicial neutrality at some level. People shouldn't be in their camps committed to to ideological principles okay. they should be open minded and and so I think that that publicly he has to stick up for that at some level and i I think that um you know kind of y- y- you don't want to uh take positions that sort of you know force a reaction of well we'll demonstrate our uh our independence um you know i think there there are better and more persuasive ways to approach the Supreme court than than to uh, you know, to to necessarily take a, a combative uh, approach to it. Um, Are you talking about me um, you know, being I, combative?
1: Are you talking about me being combative about it? Because I, I'm only no, no, I,
0: Look, I, <laughs> I think you're I, I think you're you're serving your uh, your role in our kind of um, you know pluralistic society in criticizing the Supreme Court. And I'm not saying the Supreme Court shouldn't be uh, immune from criticism. I'm just saying that that in the institutional chair where the Chief Justice sits. He has to. Uh, he has to. He has to look at things differently. Um, Could I ask you? Let me so ask you this, Jeff,
1: because you're making an interesting point, and I. But I think there is, there are other interesting points as well, and, and among those, you're saying that he should pretend to live in a world that doesn't exist. You're saying he should pretend to live in a world. Perhaps those days existed. Uh, we know they did, but it's they're long gone, and for a judge. To pretend that he is, <laughs> to act as if he's not aware that conservative judges are being mobbed, their homes are being demonstrated, uh, demonstrated, uh, you know, Antifa, BLM are outside on their sidewalks, uh, protesting their positions. They're undergoing immense intimidation. Now, John Roberts may not be having uh, that experience, uh, but Gorsuch, uh, you know, Barrett, they you know, Kavanaugh, they're, they're going through that. Uh, Yeah,
0: I I think, Lou, that, that uh, the reaction by the Supreme Court justices as a whole to that kind of set of intimidation tactics where, you know, uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh has to worry uh, with his family that he's going to be assassinated after the leak of the Dobbs decision, that should be met, you know, with a lot of, stern denunciation and opposition and calls for new security and calls for, for the left to renounce those kinds of tactics. I totally agree about that. And I also agree that, look, I, I remember having a did discussion Justice, once did with some—
1: Justice, Did Justice—I'm sorry to interrupt you, but did Justice Roberts call for the denunciation by the left of the tactics employed by their uh, activist arms, Antifa, BLM, and others? Did he ask that? He did not. I I seem to remember that uh, after the Dobbs
0: leak that, you know, he issued a statement indicating that that would be investigated forcefully. Obviously, we still don't know uh, exactly where that came from, which it mystifies me that, uh, you know, when you have a very limited number of people who are in on exchanging drafts of opinions and separate opinions that they can't be nailed down who was actually talking to uh was it Josh Gerstein um or not but um but yeah i mean i i think that in this instance though that justices you know know that they can rely on a lot of the people whose job it is right in the in the so called you know uh uh fourth estate right in the press to kind of carry that battle forward for them and say this is just totally unacceptable um what I was going to say is that, look, I, I had a conversation with a number of colleagues inside the Justice Department going back to the Bush administration, and we were talking about some of the then very contentious confirmation fights for judicial positions. And, you know, they were yearning for prior days, you know, that that even, you know, maybe I could even enforce them to admit that that the whole Bork thing had been a mistake for the for the left, and it just created a lot of reaction and politicization. And, you know, I said, look, what's amazing is not that the confirmation process is broken down into kind of naked politics, but that it didn't happen sooner because what led to that was a development in the law schools of a theory called legal realism, which is basically, you know, an idea that the law doesn't have its own content. It's just politics by another means. And, you know, once that theory is taught to a whole bunch of law students and they've internalized it, the fact that the the confirmation process in the Senate continued in a kind of like collegial way for so many decades until we kind of finally hit Bork, you know, with some smaller historical bumps along the way is amazing because, you know, there have been generations of law students who were raised on this kind of legal realism direct before things kind of reached a crisis point with the nomination and, and failed nomination and Borking of, of Judge Bork.
1: And then, of course, Clarence Thomas, uh, Justice Alito. Right. Uh, we're, we're, looking right. at, we're looking at a court that is conservative, that's being intimidated by the left, and only the left. The right does not have an equal uh, arm like Antifa. It doesn't have an arm like BLM. It doesn't practice politics, real or otherwise, in that fashion. And we also don't have a, a, uh, a legal system, a judicial system that knows how to con- to deal with war- lawfare. This is lawfare at every level, and th- there is no there is no countervailing influence or force within the the right, the conservative, uh, the Republican uh, party, to de- contend with them. Therefore, Mark Elias runs wild. Uh, uh, over, uh, over the Republican Party. He is, I, I don't know what his record is, but it's got to be somewhere around 98%. And, and I don't think that's good for the country. Mark Elias thinks it's lovely. So does, does the left. But it's changing the whole atmosphere of American politics and the destiny of the nation itself, in my opinion. Your thoughts?
0: I, I agree with that, Lou. I, I think that this whole phenomenon of lawfare is out of control. I do think that the conservative side does not have uh, either an equivalent level of defense or certainly the ability to, to go on offense in, in reverse. You know, and and uh, in terms of the lawfare, right, like I'm, I'm, I'm living through it, right? I'm facing uh, uh, a challenge to my bar license in the District of Columbia uh, which you know I think is is totally frivolous, but which you know continues to to grind on. And well, I think you're for... you're, an
1: autom- you're an automatic loser. You're in a jurisdiction in which all of the judges, all of the judges, are left wing. Uh, uh, the Juries are left wing. Uh, the system is left wing. How do you prevail? How do you seek justice in that in that uh, venue? Our jurisdiction. Well,
0: I mean, I. I... I'd like to uh continue to have faith Lou, that that justice will uh win out at the end of the day. I'm still fighting. I've been fighting for a year. And uh you know, I I do think that uh it is possible to make legal points, to make uh you know factual points when the when the time comes to show that uh you know it's it's unfair persecution, it's lawfare. I think behind uh you know, the, I think I've been the leading edge of something called the 65 Project, which David Brock started, um, you know, who's who's kind of a practitioner of the the dark arts of trying to, uh, you know, stab uh, conservatives in, in back alleys and then, you know, see them never rise up again. So, you know, I, I, I think that uh, I wish there were easy fixes, um, but, you know. Uh, we need a better effort. Wait, I think nobody, for...
1: nobody, nobody's asking for an easy fix here, Jeff. What I'm asking for is an intelligent, an intelligent response on the part of the right to what is an existential issue for the, for this constitutional republic. This is not merely, you know, this isn't, uh, uh this isn't just a, a, a academic discussion. This isn't just, a uh, a smoke-filled room where politics uh, is being waged uh, I- I- amicably. Uh, it, this is, it is lawfare, it is street warfare, it is in your face, if either you understand that this is, this is the Marxist Dem Party and they mean to control the country. It, there's a uniparty in the deep state that reaches over to the Democrats There is not even going to be a necessity for two parties if we continue this uh, uh, refusal, uh, this denial of what we are facing, which is a full-on assault from the left.
0: Lou, I I completely agree with that. I think that it is existential that when you mount an entire effort through something like the 65 Project to try to uh, strip lawyers uh, who are, you know, creative and and conservative of their licenses with, you know, uh, trumped up claims that uh, they were acting unethically, you know, you're you're trying to take out a kind of meta defense of the republic, right? You're not having a fair fight where, uh, you know, leftists who say, hey, we should interpret the constitution differently, take one position, and then the defenders of the classical constitution take a different uh, you know, perspective, and then, you know, there, there's, a, there's an adjudicated outcome. Instead, it's an attempt to chill lawyers on the conservative side uh, against being creative, against being, uh, you know, aggressive and, and uh, zealous in defense of their clients, which is the ethical principle that lawyers are, are charged with doing. It's, it's trying to make lawyers on, you know, our side of the divide uh, think twice before they step out and they challenge any kind of societal consensus or what the Democrat Party is promoting. And, you know, if, if those chilling effects are allowed to take hold through the process of lawfare, then it won't be long before we won't have a republic because basically all of the protections of liberty in the Constitution will be, you know, blown through or chewed through, and no one should want that. You know, e- even if, if someone is on the left They should see the value of having a kind of, um, you know, like a dialectic exchange between each side that, you know, preserves uh, liberty and allows for some, you know, uh, evolution of the system over time. And uh, if instead the one side manages to achieve absolute victory and to stomp over all of their uh, uh, opponents, you're not gonna get liberty. You're just gonna get tyranny from the left. And you know, I wish, I, I think there was an age in which those who, who were more to the left understood that, they understood the value of balance, but you know, I, I think they, they've lost that, Lou, and, and they just seem to want to you know, have complete victory. And I, you know, even if we leave the law field for a second, just look at how America's cities are being run. You know, to my mind, a lot of my diagnosis of the fact that there's rampant crime, that there are people who are fleeing, that there are people who fear to get on the New York subway, et cetera, it's all the product of the fact that you just have long periods of uh, of one-party rule and monopoly over over a lot of those cities. Now, New York obviously had uh, Rudy Giuliani for a time, and he managed to clean things up and you know then then they you know when when things swing back to the other side or you get a transitional figure like bloomberg who actually is on the left but postured as if he wasn't you know things swing the pendulum swings back in the in the negative direction you know that i just i don't see why there aren't more people who are even living in those cities who kind of you know don't wake up and say what have we gotten for supporting this one party for so long are, are we just See a deterioration in our in our lives. So we we have to you know change things, even if we just change for change's sake. Maybe we'll get something different. But they don't seem to see it. And I I think at some level it's the same kind of dynamic that's playing out uh, in the legal fights as well.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting that you would say all that you have, but not acknowledge at the same time that this is a war uh, on America from the left this is not uh this is not just bad behavior on the in on the court the courthouse steps uh this is an outright gunfight uh for the for this country uh, it, well, it's, it's yeah, open Lou, warfare I, I
0: do I do I do see uh myself as a uh as a warrior who's engaged in that um on the other side of the spectrum against those who would destroy the the constitution I I just I'm cautious in terms of uh, criticizing, you know, judges or particular judges, especially because I'm bound by various uh, ethical canons, um, you know, not not to do that. Right. But but I but look, um, by the way, that's not that's
1: that's not a that's not a canon. Uh, That's a gag. Uh, And if that is if your silence is required to preserve your standing in the profession, you're not in a profession, you're in a cult. Uh, and it's, that's outrageous. Uh, that, if they have the control over you, uh, why don't they have control over the lawyers at the left who seem to be, without hesitation, uh, expressing themselves clearly uh, about uh, what their intentions are and what they're doing? Uh, Merrick Garland doesn't even it, hesitate to say he's put a special counsel on Trump after being in being in Washington for two years, and they can't even name the crime. They mention Mar-a-Lago, but they don't talk about Trump's crime. The fact is, the crimes are committed by the Justice Department. Uh, they talk. Uh, I mean, this is just ridiculous what we're watching, and there is no constitutional or governmental response whatsoever. Anyway, for all who are uh, well victimized by this, the entire half of the country. Uh, so we're headed toward a different kind of order or disorder, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we, this is dangerous stuff. Uh, this isn't going to be accepted by the right. There's not going to be any more uh, befuddlement and uh, and uh, you know pure thought. Uh, test to uh, to see whether or not the right will prevail, the right thing will prevail, The justice will prevail, because justice is dead the moment we accept this condition that we're in. You know, I, I think,
0: Lou, we have to fight back against having a two-tiered system of justice. It, here at the Center for Renewing America, right, we, we do think that we are in a battle for uh, not just the the heart and soul of the country, but actually for the preservation of the country. And so, you know, we are we are fighting hard. I don't think that you know we are, uh, you know, in a in a worldview where we think that uh, you know we should uh, always you know play in some kind of like genteel mode. Where whereas the left is always you know striking uh, any any which way they can. You know, I think we're uh, looking at creative ways. We're pushing back forcefully. And you know, I I'll use the example of this uh, this guy, you know, Glenn Kirshner, who regularly attacks me on his YouTube channel and on MSNBC, et cetera. Um, you know, this guy, I mean, he's going around doing things like appearing with, you know, stand-up artists, uh, you know, and and I think doing something no real lawyer would do, while at the same time posturing as, look, I'm a long time former federal prosecutor, I can say whatever I want about, you know, the criminal laws, et cetera. And yeah, I mean, you know, if there were an aggressive project on the right, that was the mirror image of the 65 project that David Brock put together and, you know, has a lot of uh, dark money funding, then there would be ethics complaints filed against someone like Glenn Kirshner. Like, how do you get off saying these things? You, you know, you're always claiming that Trump committed XYZ crime or some other person, uh, you know, you, you slander uh, Jeff Clark on a regular basis. Like, you know, what? Wh- why are you doing these things? How is that consistent with, you know, ABC, uh, you know, uh, rule of professional responsibility? But, you know, it seems, Lou, as if we don't have the same kind of level of, uh, you know, support for those kinds of efforts that the, that the left mounts. And I think we need to, uh, you know, try to put together you know, not just a a good defense, but also a good offense, because, you know, if there's a good offense, then some of these outrageous attacks that are regularly launched, you know, maybe some of them would be left in the crib and never actually, you know, get off the ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about this. I mean, you're a bright guy, a a brilliant lawyer. uh, And and right now, uh, there are are atmospherics uh, that are being discussed. But getting to a concrete and specific point of action seems absolutely unattainable by the right uh, because you're talking about uh, Kirshner and there are you know, dozens of others uh, writing and blogging and posting and tweeting uh, across the country. But there is no there is no counter influence. And that boggles my mind. And I know that the Center for Renewing America is doing great things. And I I applaud the center. And I think you're one of those doing those things. But I am I am so tired of watching a special counsel be appointed by a person every one of us knows lied, cheated, and stole an election. 2020. Very simple. By the way, he had the assistance of an act an active Attorney General by the name of William Barr. He had the assistance of the entire intelligence community and the FBI and the Department of Justice to deny the American people truth about Hunter Biden, about Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. And that changed American history. Those are statements of fact. And that's and that is to me, it it just it's incomprehensible. That this country is not rallying to truth. And that is a deeply frightening thing to me. Your thoughts.
0: It, it is frightening. And, you know, obviously it comes back to the education system. I think, you know, the, the fact that a lot of students stayed home as a result of these COVID lockdowns revealed to parents the rot that actually was being taught in the, in the public schools if you have enough of that rot right and now we have generations of people who went through uh you know earlier stages of that rot and then they went through it uh you know first in elementary school then in high school and then you know in in higher education we're we're seeing the the fruits of that i think there are a lot of people who have woken up people in the center who are starting to react to the to all these problems that you identify um, you know, I, I think, that, for instance, you, you're raising the whole issue of the of the special counsel, right? Well, the regulations charge that the special counsel is supposed to be, uh, you know, someone who who is, uh, you know, impartial, neutral, and uh, has a reputation for that. Well, you know, what's come out about this special counsel is that, you know, he was writing internal emails and working with Lois Lerner about how to, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, push back on and, and, uh, you know, strip uh, protections from the 501C3 uh, corporations on the the, uh, conservative side of the equation. And, you know, part of what rigged the 2020 election, another topic you raised, was, you know, the vast injection of money, you know, more than $400 million by Mark Zuckerberg into leftist uh, 501C3s like the Center for Tech and Civic Life. To create you know this program that's come to be called the zuckerbucks program right and so you know what is there any indication uh in the record that um you know mr smith uh investigated not just uh you know some new uh 501c3 conservative organization uh you know did he follow in the wake of the citizens united decision to investigate things like the you know Center for Tech and Civic Life or whatever special interest it, what it is on the left, showing that he had a, had a kind of equal opportunity approach to that. like no. and indeed, we've recently found out that his wife, Katie Chevigny, uh, uh, you know if that's how you pronounce it, that you know she produced a documentary uh, attacking the free speech decision from the Supreme Court Citizens United. and then there are emails from inside the Justice Department from when Smith was there, uh, at one of his prior stints, you know, also complaining about Citizens United. So, you know, it doesn't seem like we're we're dealing with someone who, you know, had uh, at least some uh, reputation for being even-handed. You know, if you, you, you can criticize a lot of what Rod Rosenstein did, right? But just by comparison, you know, at least he he found someone like Mueller, who one could make a claim for that he had struck blows on on both sides. Like I, I haven't. You know, I haven't seen. Well, you're talking a lot. Of, uh, I, I
1: can't let I, I can't let you go without reacting to that. I, Jeff, go Mueller, ahead. He, he was abominable. He was absolutely. Witless in that entire. I, I, I uh, agree. I agree. Uh, it was I agree with you, but, I, but I'm
0: but I'm I'm differentiating between what uh, one could argue he looked like on paper before he was put into office as compared to what he actually did. Right. Like at the point at which he gets uh, Andrew Weissman as kind of like his number one right-hand guy. That guy has no objectivity, uh, you know, within his body in any fiber or any bone. Um, Then you realize that, you know, yeah, he's not going to approach his, his duties in the proper way that the regulations envision. But I'm saying like, I, based on what I've seen from the record of, of Mr. Smith, I don't see that he even rises to the level of, you know, uh, what Mueller looked like on paper before he actually took office. That's the point I'm trying to make.
1: And uh, and I really would just only like the reality, the truth. Uh, I mean, th- this fellow Jack Smith is that a left-wing activist. He is exactly what uh, he's exactly what Andrew Weissman is. His wife is a big time donor to the democrat party uh there is no way in the world this guy should be uh, <laughs> you know when we talk about these the nominative here uh, there's no way that merrick garland should be calling him impartial fair and independently minded because he is none of the above we are watching pure theater pure propaganda being spewed from the federal government disinformation the greatest disinformation source in this country is not Russia or China, as we've discussed. It's the U.S. government. And right now, the Republican Party does not have even an intellectual response to what is eating away at the soul of this country and and destroying lives. We haven't even mentioned the J6 prisoners of war uh, who are the captives of the federal prosecutors and corrupt District uh, Washington D.C. District uh, Court system. It is appalling. Uh, a history historians will write their their pages on this era, and it will we will look like fools, the fools that we are.
0: So Lou, uh, you know, in recent months I've had the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Matthew Perna's aunt um, Jerry, and you know, it's just heartbreaking to hear her story of how her nephew committed suicide based on, you know, how he was treated by the prosecutors, right. Who are just basically trying to drive him into the worst possible deal. Um, you know, uh, maybe one theme of our conversation today is that, uh, you know, you're, you're urging me to take the gloves off even more than I have already. But I'll I'll I will harken back to one genteel thing, which maybe is is a uh, you know indication of a more gentlemanly age, which is that on the fifth floor of the Justice Department, in the corner where the Attorney General's office is, uh, you know, there's New Deal art around, which I'm not fond of, but that's a a separate uh, conversation. But uh, to the door that goes to the Attorney General's office. There's uh, at the corner of the building, you, you open the door and you go inside sort of a, a, a wood paneled roundabout. And then at the other end of that is the door that actually goes into the AG's, you know, squarish office. But in the roundabout, you know, written around uh, the top, uh, you know, in, in, in wood letters is, uh, you know, that, that uh, the United States wins its point in court when justice is done its citizens. And increasingly, you know, Lou, I'm sad to report that is not the view, uh, you know, and, and not the reality of what we see emerging from the Justice Department. And we need to get back to an age where that happens. You know, people can have political disagreements. People can have disagreements about how to interpret the law at the margins. But, you know, when things devolve into the nakedly political and we're on, you know, I don't know, it depends on how you count. Kind of uh, investigation number six or 10 targeted at one person, one man, Donald Trump. It's the idea that impartiality is what's ruling the roost is is clearly it's just it's it's fake. It's an illusion.
1: It is. And it's time for everyone to wake up to that reality and to and I'm not urging you to to go into combat. I'm not urging you to take the gloves off. Uh, But I am urging Uh, everyone listening to see clearly what is happening to us and why Uh, our system is failing and it is failing quickly and it is near collapse and when that happens the law will not protect us law and order will be a memory and people have to understand uh, that that is uh, a time in which there will be a response from the right uh, there will be uh, a continued assault from the left. And that is a conflict that we do not want to imagine, let alone experience. So that's all I'm saying. And we have to know mm-hmm. that that awaits us and we have to do everything in our power to avoid it. You get the last word. I agree with that uh, very much, Lou. I, you know, you're, you're bringing to
0: mind. I don't have the exact words in front of me, you know, uh, uh, John Adams' statement that you know our Constitution was made for a a moral people, and basically at the point in which it ceases to be a moral people, the the Constitution essentially is is worthless. It just becomes a parchment barrier. And uh, you know this is not uh, directly connected to any of the topics that we covered today, but but it it comes to my mind earlier today. My son uh, texted to me this, you know the the tucker carlson segment about balenciaga with this you know child and uh you know with a a bear who seems to be in some kind of like uh M suit you know just trying to sexualize children you know it, it, when we're seeing more, and doing more it, of
1: those things they're doing it every day and the voice yeah, of we, and i said you're going to the last word so i'm going to have to shut up when i finish this but to interject we're watching the voice of commerce in this country, which is commercial advertising on television, that is the voice of America. And look at what you're watching, the sexualization of children, the, the propaganda that is spewing from uh, the dollars that corporate America is spending uh, on, on uh, Madison Avenue and media and production, Hollywood production in many cases. What we are watching is that we are without question uh, deviating down in this country to a point that is sickening. Uh, and I mean, deeply so profoundly. So, and part of the issue at hand, uh, it, it's just, it's sickening. Your point. Yeah. it
0: It's revolting. It's, it's depraved. I mean, you know, I grew up in an age where, you know, the, the, the titillation was, you know, what's Madonna wearing or not wearing on any given day or in connection with any given album or tour. Right. But, you know, when we get to the stage where, you know, there are there are teddy bears wearing, uh, you know, uh, pedo and S&M outfits, and that's being sold by Madison Avenue, you know that you're dealing with just a very changed electorate and, and people of the United States. So, look, um, you know, one way that I've approached my uh, dealing with my enemies and my detractors, Lou, actually is to uh is to pray for them because i do think that in many cases they're they're under a delusion and you know if they look at an ad like that and they laugh they're you know e- even if they're not going to go buy the product or whatever if they laugh and they uh you know they 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 partake in it at that level to just sort of you know snicker or something like that they're part of the problem and um we we need to pray for a a a restoration um you know a renewal of america uh and maybe that's the good place to end since that is you know the organization that i'm now working for the center for renewing america we do want to see that kind of moral revival because it it is not just about fighting abstract public policy battles or legal battles everything uh in the moral field undergirds that and that's not because any of us at the organization here are perfect but it's because, you know, at least we recognize that, that um, you know, there is an almighty God and we'll have to answer to him someday. And, and even if we have personal failings, we don't want to be part of a destruction of the nation and a, and a public policy that's just part of the degradation of America, Lou.
1: I, I concur. And I and I sure as hell hope none of us will be standing aside uh, when it comes time to Save this republic, and I think the time is nigh, near as it can be. We are in a national emergency that the country will not even recognize for so many reasons. But anyway, I as always, Jeff, I enjoy talking with you. Uh, it is always instructive, uh, and these are difficult times, getting more so, and doing so at uh, an alarming, uh, <laughs> alarming rate of speed. Uh, Thank you so much, Jeff. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, Jeff Clark of the Center for Renewing America. God bless you. Thanks, Lou. God bless you, too. Jeffrey Clark, Center for Renewing America. Glad he's on the side of truth, justice, and the American way. A great American. Here tomorrow, journalist and author Julie Kelly on the corrupt January 6th committee and what happens next now that the Republicans are in charge of Congress. Please join us. Till then, God bless you, and may God bless America.